0: Hello, and welcome to the Nate's Stories podcast, episode 12. The U.S. Open is happening right now. Tennis is in town, so I'm just going to be talking about tennis for quite a bit. But first, let's talk about animation. The cartoon isn't ready for this month, so it's going to take another month. But that means it's just turning out good. I'm just spending more time working on stuff, so there should be a new animation... And that one will probably be a... I, I'm almost looking forward to recording the behind-the-scenes podcast when I finish it. Because there's so much work that goes into a project where the, this one's just... So many little steps, and other people are involved. So, I might make that a really interesting thing to listen to. Yeah, but yeah, 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 just... just Animating background characters, basically, it's making cartoons by yourself is a ridiculous endeavor. But I still think everybody should do it. I just, I really wish that everybody had their own YouTube channel with their own little shorts about stuff that interests them. Just walking down the street and you see a person, you're like, I wonder what kind of videos they make. I mean, I would all, everybody should also have their own podcast where they just talk to themselves, not interviewing anyone. We just hear their inner thoughts, you know? Like, if you're listening to this while you're, say, walking around, I am your conscience right now. That's right. See, Gary, everything will be okay. I really hope one of you is named Gary, because otherwise that doesn't work. Yeah. Anyways, the U.S. Open is happening right now. Actually there's a match happening right now while I am talking to you while I am your inner conscience it is a Nadal match I so at the time of recording I don't know if he wins or loses he is tied with a kid i he's from New York but he represents Japan that oh, I never understood all that that stuff like you'll read about a player and you'll be like wait they were born here but they're representing this country uh, yeah, or that you, like, they're born in one country, represent another, but then they live in Florida, or Spain, which is one of those, like, those two places. Anyways, it's been pretty good so far. When it, Before the tournament started, they released the big draw, and everyone was saying that one side of the draw was incredibly weak compared to the other side of the draw, because, some of the big names like Djokovic and Murray were out and Murray dropped out a day before the tournament. So everyone was saying that he was he had the easiest draw and he was gonna win and then he dropped out and then every it's just it's just, it, it just disrespectful to all the players. Like all the everybody playing and I'm right now only talking about the men's side. The women's side is wonky at the moment. The the seeds are all <laughs> dropping like flies. I mean, it also makes it really interesting when people, when top seeds, like the one, two, three, four, or previous winners lose. Although I think neither of last year's winners are actually even in the tournament. I don't know. I'm not watching the women's side as much. I usually tune into that in the second week. Although I watched a few matches. Yeah, tennis. Okay. Federer's matches have been really exciting, which is Mixed feelings about that. They shouldn't be. <laughs> it, oh, what a shot by Nadal! I should. I'm. I'm losing focus. This is. I didn't want to have it load out. Oh, Nadal won that point. He won that point. uh, yeah. Where was I? Federer's matches are a bit too exciting. it's because he's getting so close to losing and he's getting older and he's not playing as well as he should. So these matches are getting close, but then you're like, is he going to get injured? Is the other guy injured? Oh, you don't know what's going to happen. Basically, I just want him to get to the second week. And I'm rooting for Federer because I like the idea of an older guy winning still. I actually think Agassi, who is... One of my favorite players, even though I didn't really follow tennis when he was still playing. He made it to the final when he was 36 and his back was hurting. I would suggest reading, even if you don't like tennis, reading Andre Agassi's book, Open. Free advertisement on the Nate's Stories podcast. You heard it here, free advertising. Yeah, I would suggest it. It's a really interesting read just about his story. Yeah. But like with tennis, one reason I like playing it is because you can see it's a... Even though you're alone on the court, you get to... It's like you're having this nonverbal conversation with the person you're playing with, or people if it's doubles. But you can really see what someone's personality is, I think, on the tennis court in the way that they play and their attitudes and their demeanor. So, for instance... What I've encountered a plenty is people getting angry, really angry, throwing the racket. And it's it's kind of how people act when they're under pressure. And I feel like tennis, to a certain extent, reveals what someone's personality really is, because there's a certain point where it's just you. There's no there's nothing you're hiding behind. It's just your natural reactions to what's happening. Yeah. So uh, I, I like, I always think it's funny when I play somebody and say, uh, I played a guy and he was very stiff, very monotone in, uh, his personality and just the way that he moved. just bland <laughs> and on the tennis court, He was equally bland, but his play style reflected that. He was just very lessened. He was you put the racket here, then here. You do this, you do this. Because this is how it's done. Yeah. I mean, uh, Tennis with Martin. So I made a cartoon a few years ago called Tennis with Martin. Still haven't beat him. I really want to make the sequel. I keep playing him about once every two weeks. And last time I played him, for people that understand tennis scores, it was 4-6-3-6. And then we play more sets after, but they don't really count. I haven't ever taken a set from him. Uh, But his attitude on court, he gets extremely focused when he starts to lose. And... ah, He... (laughs) I just need to beat him. If you have any tips, what I should do is upload a... GoPro footage of us playing and then have people be like, okay, Nate, here's how you do it. Just stop sucking. (laughs) Uh, He has such good heckles. I don't remember them off the top of my head. Like like if I miss the first point of the match, he'll be like, oh, should we stop here? This is just move to the second set because you've already lost this one. But it's, it's much funnier when he does it. And there are days where we have super close matches where it's really tight. And normally it's my mental game that falls apart. It's not that I don't have the capability to beat him. It's just my mental game suffers because it's Martin. (laughs) Oh, tennis. Yeah, who do I think is going to win the U.S. Open? I have no idea. My I want Federer to win, but after watching his, his previous two matches, I don't know. Uh, let's check this Nadal score. Let's see how it's changed. No, there's... No, he broke. He Nadal's ahead. Kind of what's expected. He's playing a, a guy that's playing super well, but he, he doesn't have as much experience. So I kind of figured as the match went on, Nadal's play style, because he has such heavy topspin, and his movement, he just makes you play every point that I thought the guy was just going to get tired or mentally fatigued, and that's what Nadal was waiting for. Must be really frustrating to play Nadal, or just at the, the highest level. You know, one thing I think is weird with professional tennis is that there is consistency in who wins, so there are celebrity players like Nadal and Federer, but they're famous because they win. But shouldn't it be more random? Shouldn't it just kind of... It's almost... Chance? Because these players... Uh, brain dead, not able, communicate, think. I wonder if this podcast is any interesting. Eh. Yes, it is. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just always thought it should be more random. We shouldn't be able to predict who's going to win a tournament or any of these big tournaments, the slams. And apparently in the 90s, there's periods where that's happened. And even in the early 2000s, before some player who was super dominant showed up. So in the 90s, it was Sampras, and now it was Federer and Nadal. Alas... There been, when those players retire, then there's a gap where it kind of is random and you don't know what's going to happen. But right now, I think we're kind of in that period. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Federer does win. Uh, based on, I mean, I was going to say Dimitrov is who I also think could win, but he ended up losing today. <laughs> so I have no idea. I'm terrible at making predictions. I think Federer is going to lose in the fourth round. That's my guess. Or he's gonna win. I I want him to. I want everyone to win. Uh, I'm not really too attached to the idea of an American winning the U.S. Open. I think I'm supposed to root for the American when they're playing. I know there's a Canadian kid who's doing really well, but I suspect he's going to lose in the next round. Oh, it's just a suspicion. Is that even right? Just a, just an inclination. Anyways, uh, I have an I. I wrote out some ideas for other rambling stuff that I had thought about. So this is about the news. Oh yeah, the news. And how I get it, which is mostly from the app on my phone. Sometimes Reddit or Facebook, but I don't really use those to collect information. Or even satirical TV shows, those aren't the best sources although they're very funny. But yeah, so a few years ago I had what I consider a battle of the apps on my phone. I downloaded a whole bunch of news apps. They were all and they were all different colors and I just put them in a folder and I just used them randomly to just have, when I had time I would just click through. I've said just way too much. <laughs> I need to listen to my second podcast where I talk about filler words and stop saying filler words. Anyways, had these apps and there was kind of a battle where I wanted which one was the most the easiest to use, had the most the best collection of stories and usability. Is that the same? as easy to use? Whatever, the interface was the best. So I had all these apps and slowly, over time, Deleted them and I had them color-coordinated at first. I just had it looked really cool. Too many were using just So I looked really cool but over time I was deleting them and Eventually got down to one which is now on the front page of my phone or the front screen and it's the BBC News app Plug for them even though I actually don't think the app is that good they updated it recently no not recently it was a while ago there was an old version that was better where they had more choices and more stories and you can access some the stories from the past but this new version isn't as good but it's but it won the the battle of the news apps so i just haven't stopped using it but i was thinking all right BBC News, I don't really like it that much, so there's all this stuff about fake news, and the liberal media, and alt media, one thing with alt media, the people, I watch some of this stuff on YouTube, it's only YouTube, because I guess that's what they call themselves, but they call themselves alt media, just people reading mainstream media news stories with their opinion on it, I don't understand, you're just people. The anything you, I feel like what's going to happen in the future is people who claim to be alt media are going to form companies and then they're going to end up doing the exact stuff that they're complaining that the big media companies do. I, I, it's just going to happen, it's just the nature of life. I am not articulate today. No wonder I have put this off till tonight, (laughs) anyways would one of the big things about having the app is you can see headlines and headlines are really important with the news but many stories are far more nuanced than a six-word sentence and i think that's where much of the fake news and misinformation really come from not necessarily the titles but it's the way that they're construed because all right so here's an example, tennis related. Uh, I was near Wimbledon. There was a car accident that Venus Williams was involved in, and there was a newspaper news article. Look at that! I said newspaper, even though I'm. This is all on my phone. Who am? What am I? Am I a time traveler pretending to be belong? Pretending to belong? No. I'm a future. No, wait. That would be. Oh, my brain. Uh, my my, I was going to say it was a future traveler, which is a time traveler. So uh, aren't we all time travelers going into the future? <sighs> all right. So there is an article about Venus Williams involved in a car crash. And all it said, the headline, top story, Venus Williams involved in fatal accident. Now that title... It has a strong implication that Venus Williams was the one who died in the car accident. And I saw that title, I was like, oh my god. And if I had put my phone down then, I would have went for five minutes thinking that. But I read the article and I was really, I was skimming, I was reading it, but I remember I was still in shock about seeing the title or the headline. So it took me a moment to realize that, wait, no, she, somebody died in the car accident, but it wasn't her. They just phrased it that way. And I was like, oh, so they just did that to grab my attention? And that's where the misinformation comes from because they're not out to report misinformation. And I don't even think news, I mean, they are biased, but I, I think the real bias is towards their audience. They want people to listen. So they're going to phrase things in a way that grabs attention and they'll stretch the truth or make it that they're not lying, but they're phrasing things in a certain way and want things to be more dramatic. Here's a plug for a good YouTube channel. It's called Retro Reports. There's, I'm plugging so many things today, but they did a news story on that. Basically, Retro Report is like 10 to 15 minute documentaries about news stories from the past, and it's really interesting. I like it. It's one of my favorite YouTube channels. Every channel is one of my favorite YouTube channel. Well, no, not every. It's the ones that I like. <sighs> but they did one about... Oh, I I'll just load it up. Hold on. Anyways, I found it. It's an episode called The Digital Bystander, and it's about 10 minutes long. I suggest watching it. It's about how... Uh, This episode is actually about how people are able to watch crimes now through the internet. So, say, Facebook Live and other streaming services, people see bad things, and what do they do? Are they supposed to report it? And it's apparently happened where people watch things happen, and they don't do anything. And so there's a news story in the 1960s where a woman was murdered, and it was on the street, and people in the apartment buildings around the event didn't do anything, and so the New York Times reported that, and it grabbed attention, then changed the laws, but it ended up that people actually did call the police, so the, the story wasn't as accurate as they made it sound. Like, there were people that watched, but they also could have been, they could have been scared, or they didn't know what to do. It was a shocking event, but the way that the New York Times phrased it, or phrased the headline, was to just stir up drama know, and grab attention because it wasn't necessarily false or was it i don't remember i should have watched this before talking about it yeah i think that's enough podcast for today uh yeah no cartoon this week and keep being great keep on